want it, you need it, well, you got it. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we reach for the single leg and administer the ground and pound with another street legal dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell is in fact the voice that you hear. Just about ready to tag in my main man King Mo Muhammad Lawal to preview a wild UFC 223 car this weekend from Brooklyn, New York. We will also be chatting with two of the participants ahead of that fight card as women's strawweight champion Rose Nama Yunus and Joanna Young Jacek stop by to get you hyped for their co-main event title rematch oh yeah brothers the itc mma show is back i back trust me i back we will also put the final bow on ronda rousey's crossover to wwe ahead of sunday's wrestlemania 34 debut ponder whether brock lesnar is ready to make the reverse move back into the cage and hear king mo break down the heavyweight boxing title picture after anthony joshua's victory over the weekend look you don't need chael sonnen to tell you how much king mo is the real deal king mo's a tough son of a bitch that guy's all right with me before we get this audio party started, let me remind you that if you hear something today on the show that you like, if you see something, say something. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star review, and please subscribe, spread the word on social media using that hashtag in this corner. And with the business out of the way, look, it's time to welcome in some MMA royalty. Enjoy. Oh, yeah, so great. So great to be back with my main man, King Mo, Mohammed Lawal, chopping it up during fight week for UFC 223 in Brooklyn, New York. We got so much, to, so, so much to talk about when it comes to that card and all the craziness. But first, King, how's life? How's everything, man? We know you're in the camp. We know you live in camp for May 12th. Ryan Bader, Bellator, Grand Prix in San Jose. Been a couple weeks. How you been, bro? I'm great. I'm going to put like this. Ryan Bader, you're in trouble. Wow, wow. It feels like everybody's coming at Bader. I just saw Chael Sonnen put out some video on Twitter that said, I don't need, I don't need the tournament to kick Ryan Bader's ass. All right. Let's just hook that up whether, whether we both advance or not. It feels like everybody's coming at Darth right now. Well, I'm nothing against. I still, I'm fighting him. So I'm going to make him, I'm going to make him pay. You know, like, you know, people looking past me, people are, they're thinking he's going to be the man that win the tournament, but uh, I'm going to punish him and tell him, show them otherwise. I love it. I love it. Fired up. The goal, of course, is that vacant Bellator heavyweight championship. If King Mo can, can survive in advance and continue climbing the ladder, big opportunity. But, uh, you know, any good, uh, any good camp stories? You get any good sparring? Where are we at right now? Right now, I've been sparring with uh, Trevor Bryan, helping him get ready for his camp. Uh, I've been bringing, I, I, I've tried bringing Tyrell Fortune, but he, he no showed me. So, uh, I'm bringing in some new guys. Uh, I'm working on it right now, but. Right now, what I've been doing is I've been doing a Shark Tank, you know, going, going one round with three different people at the same, like you know, at the same time, but random times they jump in on me. I don't know when they're coming in, but I'm just fighting. I'm, I'm just fighting. It's a, it's a, I'm doing four rounds of pure fighting for this, for this, uh, for this fight. Wow, that'll so, fill up the gas tank because I was looking through the, uh, the famous uh, math equations that the great King Mo has uh, expounded on us during this podcast over the over the months leading back to last year, and one of them was damage plus a lack of gas equals trying to find a way out. That's not something that's going to happen to King Mo Lawal this fight. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to help Bader find a way out. I'm going to show him the door once I sit in the cage. <laughs> people out there to unlock the door, let let Bader, you know, step on out because um, he's I'm going to dog him out. Serious. This, like, 
you, you're going to see. I'm, I'm dump, dump the talking. I'm so many people know that they will see something different come May 12th. Wow, 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 different. We got new tricks coming. You can teach an old dog new tricks, King Bobby. And you're like, who's old? Who are you calling old? That's basically what you're telling me right now. I'm an old dog that feels young. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. All right, King Bob, we got the rest of this podcast will be all UFC 223. We got pre-recorded interviews with Yuana Young, Jacek, Rose Nama, Eunice, a lot of good stuff. But before we even delve into that, I want to hit you with a couple, couple quick fastballs here to get your take on the combat sports world in general since we've been off for a few weeks. Anthony Joshua, the great boxing British heavyweight, unified three of the four heavyweight titles this past weekend in Wales when he outpointed Joseph Parker, a fellow unbeaten. King Mo, I'm going to tell you, I wasn't all that impressed with the performance. Were you? No, I wasn't. But here's the thing. people: uh, Joseph Parker, I watched him fight for the past few years. All of his fights have been bad. He has a Malik. As a matter of fact, you know Malik Scott? Yeah. That's one of the training partners. You can see it in his style. He he gives you the the posture he's gonna engage as he's backing as he's backing up. He'll throw a jab, move, jab, but but Joshua just fight smart. Jab one two. Jab the stomach, jab the head, one two. Jo- Joseph Parker wasn't giving anything to work with. You know, in order to look good, you have to fight back. And this, this is saying if you look at remember when um Luis Ortiz fought Malik Scott? Now that fight was an awful horrible? fight. Awful fight. Same thing with this fight. You know, Joshua brought the fight to um, Parker. It's just Parker has a weird style. Parker looked bad. Par- the fight with Parker and uh um and uh, Andrew Ruiz is bad. The part the fight with Parker and Huey Huey um Fury. Huey uh, Fury was bad. And this fight, you know, what I'm saying so he's I'm, it's something about his style. It's just uh he doesn't really engage unless he knows he can get you out of there. Well, I respect Parker is for his difficultness. I, I don't even know if that's a word for for how difficult he fights. How he can make it. How he can sort of disarm you by changing the pace, by constantly going to the body. But I don't feel like he ever really fought to win. And and both fighters weren't helped by that awful referee job, which everybody's been ripping that guy for good reason. But even with that said, with Joshua commanding, you know, a crowd of, uh, they I guess they pushed 80,000 people into that Principality Stadium, which once again broke another boxing indoor attendance record. I just expected more from Joshua from the standpoint of, like, I'm the guy, so I need to act like the guy. I can't pull a Floyd and cruise to the distance and just say, well, I'm a better boxer, I'm smarter. You're the heavyweight champ of the world. you got to go out there and knock a guy out. And I think that Parker wasn't hurting Joshua. He wasn't really trying to win. I put the onus on Joshua. Go take care of your business. Get that guy out of there. You know what? That's, that's, you see the first round, the filling out round, second round. You can see Joshua take the initiative because at first Parker was trying to box. The moment the second and third round came, I saw Parker stay on the ropes and just circle. And he'd go, he'd circle, circle, jab, one, two, the body, and a big overhand. And every time we threw that, it never landed. He'd throw a jab. Like, he was just doing whatever it took not to get blown out, I feel like. Um Maybe he had an injury. I don't know. But he just seemed a little off. And sometimes when you're the champ and you're trying to push the issue too much, you can get caught. You know what I'm saying? Like you got you got two bigger guys there fighting. One big punch. Anybody can go down. So um when it, come, when it comes down to it, yes, Anthony Johnson should have took the initiative. But at the same time, if he would take the initiative and lost, then we'll, we would never see the – um, with Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua fight. I mean, that's and, a fair point because he had a lot to protect in that fight, right? Like he had a lot to survive in advance. Uh, you know, got will get us hopefully to Joshua Wilder. So it's not like I'm going to sit here and complain about it. But 
I just feel like I lowered the stock of who I think Joshua is by this performance. Maybe an unfair, maybe an unfair thing to do, but I feel like with Wilder just basically fighting above his actual ability against Ortiz and just willing himself to a comeback knockout, I saw Joshua pull back a little bit in order to make sure he got the victory. So now in my head, when I do the mythical math of say, okay, what does Joshua Wilder look like now? Now, I can't believe I'm saying this because a year ago I would have kicked myself in the face. I still feel like Wilder's going to knock him out. But that's why I guess that's a good debate. That's why that's why we get excited for that fight. I'm not sure if I think Deontay Wilder is going to knock out Joshua for the simple reason. If you look at their if you look at their if you look at their records, okay, um Deontay's fought maybe three legit fighters his whole career. Anthony Joshua's fought most of the people he's fought. If you look at Anthony Joshua's first eight fights, his first eight fights are probably better than Deontay's Deontay's um first mm, first thirty fights. No, no question, no question. Now now let's let's look at the Lewis Ortiz fight. Now think about this. The Lewis Ortiz fight was really a snoozer for the first four or five rounds. Until Deontay dropped Lewis. And then if you look at the fights even longer, like, there's a lot of controversy behind that fight because, for one, they had Deontay win the fight before the stoppage, which was BS to me. Two, when, when Deontay got dropped, or when Deontay got hurt at the, at the, at the end of that one round, started the next round, they brought him to check on them, right? Remember that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That was they they wasted a good fifteen twenty seconds there to give him. Yeah. In the end, it gave him a chance to sort of you know shake off the cobwebs. Exactly. Now when Luis Ortiz got dropped and came back and fought the rest of that round, and we got rocked a few times in that fight. The next round, they never once said, "Hey, come see the doctor." Yeah, there was certainly some situations there that favored the money fighter, and I'm not going to act like they didn't happen. There's no that, question about yeah, it. That's why. That's why I feel like this fight still is a toss up. Because you know, off of one, you get, off of one performance, it's hard for me to discredit um, Joshua on one performance versus an undefeated world champion that never came to win the fight. It's like this, right? Imagine me and you're fighting and you win the first five, six rounds. What do you think I'm gonna do as a fighter is trying to win the fight? I'm gonna come forward and try to get the get get some get back. That listen, the whole fight, I can give I, I gave Parker maybe three or four rounds because he didn't do nothing, and Joshua just did the bare minimum because Joshua's like, you know what? I'm winning the fight. Parker's not doing anything. He's not trying to fight me. So you know what? I'm just going to cruise for a tour round decision. Yeah, and, and, and I thought the ju- the judging, by the way, wasn't great. You know, eleven <laughs> rounds to one, ten rounds to two. I mean, I had an eight four, but still, that was you know when no when nothing happens in these rounds, it's hard to just automatically put Joshua's name down over and over and over again. Well, that thing is, you see, you see, you see, you see the um the um the, the fix is in on both sides because look, when Deontay was fighting Ortiz, the first four rounds, I thought. Lewis easily won. Yeah. Now this fight, th- now this fight, Joshua versus Parker. I, 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 I thought Joshua Parker at least won three or four rounds. I don't, I don't, I give him one round is a, is a joke. Now I think that on both sides they're trying to help this fight happen, help make this fight. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, that's that's the history of boxing, unfortunately. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's just what happens in this broken sport. But I guess it's, the, it's, the it depends. Depends because don't forget, Lewis Lennox Lewis. There are upsets that happen, you know what I'm saying? But the thing is, like, I think with this fight, just so big that, like, they're gonna, they're just gonna cheat. Because I feel like in England, they, they will cheat even more blatant than they will in America. I've seen guys get dropped in England and they stood them back up and wipe the gloves off and, like, slip. You know, I, Joe Kawasaki got saved a few times in England. 
I just thought England, England uh, Deontay Wilder's gonna have a hard time beating Joshua in England unless well, he knocks him out. So that, that's what you're saying, unless he knocks him out. And that's true, and that's just this ultimate thing. Because look, I'm more of a boxing technique guy than I am slugger. So that's why forever I'm like, no, look, Joshua, who has a ton of power, has the better technique, he's fought better opposition, of course, he's going to beat Wilder. But I think I finally came around because Kingmo Wilder's the only guy who, like, this is where Wilder's raw side of him actually is is really starting to help him. I think he's the only guy that can disrupt everyone's game plan in this division because of how powerful his right hand is. And he comes in with that weird style and the helicopter throw, you know, punches and the lack of technique. And he just gets you into a fight and in, into a brawl. And I think that if Joshua is going to be in a fight that's going to end up being a brawl with Wilder, he's conditioned to lose. He's not going to be able to do that. He doesn't punch as hard as Wilder, and he doesn't have a great chin. So that's why in the end, I just think that for this run Wilder's on right now, he can just get people to throw. Well, I think I think their chin's about the same. Because I've seen Wilder get dropped. Um, when Wilder fought Lewis, Lewis didn't land many clean shots. He landed upside his head, but Wilder showed good poise. But I don't know, man, because the thing is, like, Wilder brawls. I don't, if you, think about this, right? When you watch Wilder fights, we look at the we're, we're, we love the results. But when the fights actually happen, for the most part, other than the recent ones, there are a lot of boos. Think about it. When he fought Arthur Spilka, there were a lot of boos because Deontay didn't throw much. When he fought Luis Ortiz, there were a lot of boos. When he fought Johan DeWapis, there were a lot of boos. When he fought Eric Molina, there were a lot of boos until he finished them. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you go back and watch Deontay Wilder fights closely, he was, he does like, he could be outboxed. And the thing is, like, I'm just, I'm, 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 it's gonna be interesting to see how he deals with someone that's his height that has a True. good solid jab. I mean, it's gonna be a great fight. You're gonna have, it's gonna be 50-50 predictions all the way. That's exactly what we want. I just hope we get there. I hope they don't push it off, but I'm getting that feeling again that they're gonna push it, it off. It, it, it's gonna happen next year. It's gonna happen early next year. I think that, I think, I honestly think it's better for it to happen next year because with the way Canelo, um, Triple G's looking, it might be pushed back to September. So I'd rather have that big fight in September and then have the, have the, um, have the, um, the heavyweight fight in, in, January or late December. Oh yeah, let's do that. A hundred thousand people in some stadium in Europe. Let's do that. No, <laughs> no, no doubt about it right there. Uh, you got any comments on, I know the Canelo thing is sort of in flux. Canelo is supposed to speak, uh, later today as we record this podcast, but, uh, the heck's going on there? I'm surprised Nevada State Athletic Commission is having this type of a backbone to sort of say, well, maybe this fight won't go on. Maybe, maybe we got to pull Canelo back. Well, I, you know what? Like I've, I, I looked up all stuff about Clint Buderall and the meat. And I remember when I was in, when I was at wrestling, they said, "Hey, be careful of eating meat in parts of Asia, eating meats in parts of Central America, eating meats in part, parts of South America, and parts of uh, um, parts of Mexico." But the thing is, like, you don't think about it, like you hear about, it, but you're like, "Ah, whatever," you know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, if I'm going to these places, I'm, I'm, I it's gonna be hard to become vegan all of a sudden, like to avoid all sorts of meat when you're an athlete. But I guess that's what you gotta do in Mexico. I saw a soccer team that had 200. 280 people on the team and 109 of them fell for clambuterol. Wow. Wow. I mean, yeah, I, I don't doubt that it's a real thing. I just think that Canelo's getting extra slapped here because he failed twice for clambuterol when Golden Boy in their, in their uh, press release that they tried to get ahead of everybody didn't mention that it was twice, only mentioned that it was one. And oh, yeah, but don't forget it was twice within a two day span. So they, they test him, um, they test him like on Monday and they test him on Wednesday in Guadalajara. And then when he left Guadalajara, he's passed every drug test since. But and I the think, thing is, they said they said the levels they found on him were lower than the levels of like um, of Eric Morales, lower the levels of like a lot of other people that have been that have been that have been uh, that have been popped by popped by for meat contamination of like meat contamination or contaminated meat. 
But do you feel like this all would have went away if, if Triple G wouldn't have stopped talking? And I'm not saying I, there's anything against Triple G. Like, he's standing up for himself. But I feel like he's the only reason we're at this point we are now. Because I feel like everybody was ready to just forgive Canelo in the hope that we still have this fight. Because it's going to be great. He's going to bring in money. I feel like Triple G is the one who wouldn't stop saying, no, these guys are liars and cheaters. And then Nevada had to say, all right, we got, we got to protect ourselves now. Because he doesn't want the fight, I don't think. I think that maybe Kent was bad or something like that. I don't think he wants to fight because it shows like, you know, because what's, what's he going to say if, if they say, OK, you know what? what from what we've seen and they, the experts show that it's just contaminated meat, then what's he going to say then? You still cheating? After the experts say it's contaminated meat, like what can he say? It's interesting. It's very, very interesting. I was hoping they slid in uh, Danny Jacobs for for a quick little Triple G rematch there. That would have been fun. I know he has a card the week before on HBO, but we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out, King Mo and uh Finally, uh, we got, got a lot of wrestling this week. It's WrestleMania 34 week in New Orleans. It's also Cody versus Kenny the night before Saturday night in New Orleans for Ring of Honor. Anything getting you fired up as we close into the biggest week in pro wrestling? Definitely Cody versus Kenny. Definitely. You watch him being the elite. That's been, that's been a, a heck of a, a story they're telling overall. Yeah, I know. I was, honestly, I'm, I'm like four episodes behind because I was going to wait just to, 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 to binge watch it because I yes. hate watching it. Because I hate – what I used to do at first is watch every episode that came in, and I'd forget about the last episode, you know what I'm saying, the episode before, the prior episode. So I have to go back and watch it again. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and just binge watch these last last four episodes that I missed. It's it, it's uh it's really really great stuff and um, I'm looking forward to I'm not gonna be able to catch that match live because I'll be at NXT which is you know what they're programming against that night in New Orleans but I will catch Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi the Golden Lovers on Thursday night in New Orleans at a WrestleCon show so you know I want to I want to get into one of those little sweat boxes and and check out the best of what indie wrestling has to offer. Oh, you're you're gonna be a man. I, the indie shows by far are the best shows to go to by far, hands they, down. And, uh, Russell, you know, the, the big thing in WrestleMania outside of Rousey making it, Ronda Rousey making her transition from USC to MMA is that Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar match, which will probably be the main event. And the whole storyline that Brock hates WWE, that he's going back to UFC. I don't think I ultimately believe that in real life, King Mo. I know Brock's contract is supposedly up at the end of the month, but with all that, you know, uh, USADA stuff he would still have to walk through to be able to make a UFC comeback and be clean for six months after he announces that he's going to be back. I still feel like he's just going to re-sign with WWE, and maybe there'll be some language in there where, hey, if you want one more fight with the UFC, we'll we'll pick the right time. We'll make it work. I don't know, man. I don't know. Right now, the UFC is in a tough situation. Like, um, lack of stars. They offered Floyd like some a fight. They offered Anthony Joshua a contract. I feel like they're using big names to help build their brand again, and they might use Brock's name and try to tease Brock's name and signing, and all the fans will. Start tuning back into UFC, and then Brock will just sign back to UFC, and there'll be that type of thing, you know. Not UFC with WWE, but I don't know. I just think that they're using names, they're using famous people's names to try to get their their name out there again. Smoking mirrors, that's how they do it, Kingbo. And and I, you know, I think it's good for WWE at least to work that into the storyline, make it feel a little bit more real. But you mentioned Floyd, and I feel like every every time we talk on this podcast, it's like. Did you hear what he said this week? Is it for real? Is it for real, Kingbo? Now he's supposedly training with Tyron Woodley. Give me the, give me, give me once again the Kingbo one hundred. What's really? What is Floyd really doing here? I don't know. I, it's like this, right? I like I'm cool. I, I don't. Really, I'm not cool if I know Floyd. You know what I'm saying? I know Jeff, and it's weird because like you know, I'm surprised they ain't try to reach out to me if Floyd's really talking about fighting because they know me at the May with the gym. But at the same time, they're in good hands with Woodley. But I don't think he's really. I don't know if he's gonna. 
if they had the right opponent for him or the right amount of money, he might could do it because if he's thinking about fighting, maybe he's money short. That could be the issue. How could you be money short after making basically $650 million in your last three fights combined? Well, how much the taxes come out of that and how much the back taxes have to pay for that? That's and then think about who's cut and think about how he lives and think about the – the girl collects the strip club. I heard not- <laughs> yeah, but that's some like MC Hammer, Evander Holyfield type of money problems. Like that's like, how do you lose that much? It happened. And then think about this. He has a private jet. So think about this. A private jet from, uh, from, I think from Vegas to LA costs like some like two or three hundred grand. So imagine like flying from, flying from Vegas to Miami, Vegas to Dubai, Vegas to England, Vegas. The dude flies everywhere on his private jet. He's just blowing money, man. And as he, he, he earned it so he can do it. But now he's gonna, if he keeps on burning money, he's gonna end up fighting again. And he don't want to fight these young killers in boxing. So maybe, maybe he might be making the right decision into going to MMA and maybe they can pick an opponent for him that he can fight. Maybe right. another boxer that's, that's not as good as an, um, that has no wrestling, you know, or a brawler of some sort that can't wrestle or kick. Or how about a guy that can't do any of that and his name is CM Punk? Who would win a Mayweather-CM Punk MMA match? And I can't believe I'm asking you this, but who would win Sink King Mo right now, Mayweather-CM Punk? CM Punk would smash him. What, would he take him down right away and that would be it? Yeah, he'd take him down, take him down, or even throw some kicks. Because the thing is, when you get a boxer, like, I remember talking to cool Vince Phillips years ago. Oh, I love that guy. Upset Costa Zoo, stopped him. Yeah, and he told me, I saw him at Fortress Gym in L.A., and he's like, man... I'll never forget, man. You do that MMA stuff, man. That stuff was crazy. He's like, I did K1, and I fought Masato. And I was like, I remember you did. I remember that. He's like, but you don't remember what happened to him. I was like, nah, I remember you got beat up. He's like, man, he threw his first kick. The first kick he threw broke my arm, and the other kick he threw broke my leg. Oh, he's like, man. and he still has nerve damage. He told me he still has nerve damage to this day in his leg from being broke. So Floyd, that's what Floyd's looking at. Imagine the calf kick. Well, look at look at when Ali, Muhammad Ali, did that uh, match with Antonio Inoki, right? Which was supposed to be like a fake wrestling match, and it turned into kind of like the first MMA match, and he got kicked for 15 rounds, and his oh. career was never the same. Think about this. Think about Trevor Burbick versus Antonio Inoki. You seen that? I haven't seen that one. No. Oh, get a chance. No, you get a chance to get the phone. Watch that. Trevor Burbick goes in the ring, gets kicked so many times, it powders out the ring, powders out the ring, and leaves in the middle of the fight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so is there any – what about this then? Is there any chance that Floyd using Woodley's name means more than we think it does? Is Floyd going to align business-wise with Woodley? Is he trying to uh, drag Tyron's name into his own headlines to give him that push? No. No. Nah. Because if Floyd can do that, he would do that with Badu Jack, who has the biggest fight in his career coming up soon. If Floyd was going to do that, he would do that with Javante Davis, who has a big fight coming up soon too. I mean, you have four, you have, you have Badu Jack fighting the Donna Stevenson for the, for the light heavyweight, for the light heavyweight belt. And, 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 uh, and, and Floyd's busy talking about fighting in the UFC. Man, Floyd, you better get, get behind Badu Jack and make sure he wins that belt. Badu Jack's one of my favorite fighters as well. He's a dog. I love that guy. Love that guy. We had a L- Leonard Ellerby on the boxing podcast last week. Unfortunately, he gave us nothing under the comments of uh, Floyd and Javante Davis talking about going to the UFC. It was very tight lipped, as you might, as you might expect. Let me tell you something. Like I love Leonard Ellerby like, as a person, like you know what he's done for Floyd and everybody at the gym. But man, don't even waste your time talking to him. He's just a guy that he just he just a guy that's been around Floyd and he's a guy he knows his stuff. But when it comes to MMA and stuff like that, I wouldn't even ask him no questions because if if, if, it's, if it's anything pertaining to boxing, he'll know about. 
you know, about Floyd and Javante. But this MMA, it's like speaking French. <laughs> oh, the wild world of combat sports, King Mo. That that that's uh, we took you around the horn on. Somehow it's all related. We talk about boxing, we talk about pro wrestling. Somehow, somehow it is all related to mixed martial arts. That's just where the uh, where the state of things are right now. If it sells, if it makes money, it it makes sense and it sells. So. Wow. But hey, Kingbo, we do have a real fight card this weekend. Not scripted, not sports entertainment. We got UFC 223, Brooklyn, New York, Saturday night. I think, you know, this is the first pay-per-view that you should really care about if you're a UFC fan this this calendar year. Although, you know, that Nganu-Stipe fight certainly got us a little bit pumped up there. But this is a full card of fights that I'm interested in. But the big story, of course, is... How cursed, King Mo? How possibly impossibly cursed on April Fool's Day, no less, is Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurmagomedov. The main event for the lightweight championship falls apart after Ferguson, who was at the Fox Studios, we find out now Thursday to do interviews, tripped over a a cord, a, a cable running underneath a desk in a, in a TV studio, and tore a ligament in his knee for the fourth consecutive time. This fight is called off what the heck was your initial response to this i didn't know till yesterday because like you know i'm like like it was april fool so you know i didn't want to listen to any i didn't go on the internet at all because you never know what you're gonna hear and so people text me like you hear what happened i'm like nah and i just lifted i just erased their i erased their text i was like i'm not trying to follow these dumb jokes and i go to the gym and they're like yeah man can you believe max holloway's fighting uh, um habib and i'm like how? And they're like, oh yeah, Ferguson twisted his ankle or tore his knee up or blew his ACL out, trip like doing something. And I guess I don't I don't know, man. I guess the fight it's cursed for now, but if I was Dana or, or, or the UFC, I would try to make the fight happen still. I'd have it have make it happen during um Memorial Day weekend. Well Dana says he's never gonna book it again, but we've heard we've heard him say like I'm never putting John Jones into a main event again. I'm never putting I'm never booking Nunez Shevchenko again. And of course he's come so, back in both right, things. Here's the thing, so so we have three belts in. So here's the thing, right? So Connor has the belt, Habib has I mean I mean Ferguson has a belt, and then if Habib wins or Max Holloway wins, there'll be three belts that weight class. Oh no, so here's the thing. Uh so Habib was on Ariel Hawani's MMA hour on Monday and he said he was only willing to accept the fight against now the replacement, Max Holloway, the the UFC's featherweight champion, if it was at one fifty five, if both had to make weight, if it was for the championship, and the kicker, King Mo, was that the other two belts needed to disappear. So Dana White gave in in this instance. He is going to strip Conor McGregor of the full lightweight championship the moment both guys step into the octagon on Saturday, and he's stripping that interim title from Tony Ferguson. And El Kakoy was not happy later on that same show with Ariel. He, you know, basically was like, what the heck's the UFC doing here? I've done nothing but everything you wanted me to. I get this freak accident, you're just going to pull the belt off me. Yeah, that's weird because they didn't, they didn't, they didn't pull the belt off of uh, um, Bisping right away. They didn't pull the belt off Kane right away. They didn't pull it off of Whitaker when he won the interim title and then got hurt, right? Like, that's... that's. Yep. They didn't pull out Connor right away. You know what I'm saying? They pulled the they pull out Connor a year later. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Connor, by the way, will be reaching something like 500 days since we've last seen him fight. We know we haven't seen him fight in the octagon since he beat Eddie Alvarez in what uh, November 2016. So obviously that's that's a smart move. I understand taking the battle off Tony, but man, that's insult to injury for a guy who's put his career on hold, right? Waiting for Connor, waiting for Habib to get healthy after that fight fell apart at UFC 209 last year. Like, wow, tough break, man. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that the UFC's messing up on that, like stripping the. They should just reschedule the fight, man. Reschedule it. What's the point of having like? What's the point of having Habib fight Max? What if Habib smashes Max and ruins him? So that's the thing. That, so let's stop right there. That was always UFC's biggest fear. And I think it always goes back to the time they let BJ Penn, while he was lightweight champion, move up to fight GSP in a rematch for the welterweight belt. And not only did Penn get smashed to the point that the corner threw in the towel, he was really never the same again when he moved back down to lightweight and eventually lost the belt to Edgar. They always said, we're not doing this championship you know, versus champion stuff because of that. Now... I feel like they're willing to do that every other month. They don't care anymore. I mean, you're right. The, a, a damaging loss could be a negative trend for Holloway moving forward. But at the same time, King, Holloway could, like, almost achieve MMA immortality if he pulls the upset, right? Suddenly he's now with Connor as the only guy to hold two titles simultaneously. And even if you think that's BS, you know, legend-wise, you're going to think of him differently. Yeah, I, I don't, man, I, I really don't know, man, because, like, it's crazy because, like, people are getting extra credit points for what people would do in the past. You feel what I'm saying? Like, Max Hall is a fighter. He wants to step into the fight. Same thing with um, Brian T. City, um, Ortega. Like, guys that want to fight will t- will step up and take that fight. I can't. I won't be surprised if fucking Frankie Edgar was like, you know, uh, I'll I'll step in and take the fight. <laughs> no, because guys that want to fight will go out there and take any fight available. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, um, that's that's what makes MMA. That's what that's what made MMA so good. It's still there. We have guys that are throwback fighters like Holloway, T-City, you know, guys of that mentality. There are more guys like that. It's just that the UFC doesn't show that, doesn't put it out there. Well, here's what we know. Ortega came out and said he was offered the fight and said yes, but that was during the time when UFC was waiting to hear back from Holloway. Eddie Alvarez says he was offered but uh, turned it down because he said it's impossible to cut that much weight in six days for any lightweight we also had uh, – we found out McGregor was not offered the fight, UFC's Dana White said. So the whole thing comes down to the six-day weight cut. And George Lockhart, the nutritionist for Holloway, was did an interview with Brett Okamoto of ESPN and just detailed, like, really how horrific of a cut this is going to be for Holloway, even though the fact that he's – you know, fights at 145 pounds. But let's not forget, King – Holloway just had an ankle injury. He just pulled out of his March 3rd fight with Ortega. So it's not like he was in camp. He's going to go under an intense, intense cut to just be able to make this. Like, at some point, does it become not healthy, the the, the risk-reward thing? Like, what's going on? I, you know what? The weight cutting thing for the birds. You're going to see a new trend where guys like, – I've seen them in Russia. Guys that will, guys will fight and run their walk-around weight. You're going to start seeing it more and more often. Watch. And if Max Holloway has a good, good, good performance in this fight – Max, move up. Drop that belt, drop that belt, move up to 155. You know what I'm saying? Get you some fights and stay healthy. It, it, look, it's crazy. I mean, you gotta give, it, whether you think it's safe or not, you gotta give Holloway credit for having balls and being willing to do this on the short day notice against that type of opponent when you have this much to lose. But certainly, like I said, you have this much to gain. But I thought Habib was very honest when he was asked about it. He said, you know, like, this is crazy. Like, what Max is doing. I wouldn't do this. He's like, what, you know, what, what do I owe the UFC to do this? I need a full camp. I need to be mentally and physically healthy. I, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, he, it's funny that he's gonna be facing a guy who he basically says, I don't agree in what he's doing to face me, but, you know, I'll do what I have to do. This is business. Oh, man. I, 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 don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. It is, you're right. It is business, but good business Good business is also having a long career that makes money. You know what I'm saying? It can make you some money. Um, if you're out there fighting and cutting weight, man, I don't, I don't know. I, it, can, it can work, but in the long run, it, it hurts you. 
Oh, true. No, don't cry. But the thing is, like, this is what Max wants. He wants so bad to be a crossover star, to make that big money, to get the opportunities. Let's not forget, he had a, you know, he's on a 12 fight win streak. It took him forever to finally get a title shot. And part of that is because Conor McGregor had that division hijacked, right? Well, now Conor McGregor's got this division hijacked and he's like, I'll step up. I'll be that guy. I mean, there's a video out there when Habib and Tony had the press conference in January and a reporter asked Dana, you know, do you have a backup plan? Max was on the stage that night. He jumped in and said, Dana, you know, you got a 145 pound champ who's this hungry. So I give him that credit. So we got to basically say this, King Mo. How does this change the matchup for Habib? Because now the odds came out. Nurmagomedov rightfully is a huge underdog against Max for all those things that we talked about. But how different of an opponent just at the core is Tony from Max Holloway? Oh man, uh, I think greatly different. I think Max, I think Max Holloway has more. He, they're both both the same as far as they can go. I think Max Holloway is a little is I mean is not nearly as reckless as um Ferguson. And Ferguson's taller, Ferguson's longer. I I think Ferguson's ground game is a little better. Ferguson's wrestling is better. I think that I think Max Holloway's an easier fight for Habib, but at the same time it's gonna be a dangerous fight because I don't think Habib trained with anybody as fast as as fast as Holloway yes, is. That's fast, the key, Holloway, right? Yeah, he has the speed, man. He has the speed. So the the first you know your your first knee jerk thing is to say is this okay so like kind of what you said Max is kind of a smaller version than Tony with doesn't have as good of a submission game and of all those factors against him with the weight last minute notice coming off an injury all that but the, we still think the only way you're going to beat Habib right it, like for the people that say hey if Connor's going to fight him here's how he's going to do it is to catch him coming in when he goes for those shoots. To, to have the speed and the accuracy and the pop to make him pay when he comes shooting in. Could Holloway be that guy? Maybe not knock him out with one punch, but that give him reason not to just go straight for the takedown every time. Uh, it's going to come down to Holloway. If Holloway can stay on his jab and Holloway can fight moving laterally. Because with Habibi, if you move straight backwards and move straight forward, you have a great chance of getting taken down. But if you can stay on your bike and slide, not hop, because you watch the way Edson Barbosa fight Habib, it was all wrong. All the movement, too much movement to the side and big movements. So what ends up happening is when you start hopping to the side and moving and running to the side, when you stop to throw punches, you have to stop and throw hard. So you see, you seen, um, when, uh, um, Edson was moving, Edson would stop and throw a big punch, stop, throw a big kick, and Habib would block it, keep him coming forward. So what ended up happening was Habib was draining Edson by putting, a, by applying pressure on him. So if Max wants to be effective, Max has to lower his stance a little bit, Fight behind a jab and use lateral motion smart and not waste energy. There's waste a- the energy in the, waste the energy in the later rounds when both guys are tired and go for broke. But early in the fight, you don't want to let Habib get easy takedowns so he can just beat you up and drain you and then stop you. Oh yeah. It's ba- especially with the short weight cut. It's, it's going to be bad news as we know for Max if he's on his back for the first round and a half and just getting his energy zapped. There's a, there's a undercurrent though of people saying, Hey, Max has sneaky good takedown defense, but will that work against a, a wrestler of this level? No, no, because who's who's Max really faced that can really wrestle? <laughs> That's exactly what Habib said to Ariel Monday. He went down his like last twelve fights, his twelve fight winning streak, and he's like, no one, no one on this resume looks like me. And I think he's got a point there. No one, no, there's no one, there's no one. Like Habib has faced guys similar to Max. Max, Max has not faced any guy similar. To Habib or any guys as big as Habib. Habib, let me tell you something. That boy gets to like 195. (laughs) I'm serious, man. Habib's a big, strong guy that don't get tired. 
He no. had a uh, killer beard on the set there with Ariel. He's looking, he's looking intense and ready. I mean, look, that guy, he comes, he comes to eat your heart, obviously. Uh, I mean, that guy's like a ferocious animal, unlike any other. But uh, look, at the very least, from an entertainment and marketing standpoint, this might be the best, like, last minute, we have no other hope kind of replacement fight I've seen. I know, like, Anderson Silva, Daniel Cormier was interesting considering it was booked on three days notice for UFC 200 after John Jones tested positive and, and that was a whole fiasco right there. But, I don't know if I could if I've remembered a matchup that's any better for this circumstance where at least I'm intrigued and at least to you know you can make some sort of path to victory for Max. I'm trying to think of one. <laughs> I mean this is this is good last minute matchmaking here. They did save the card, right? I don't think that I think the, I don't think the pay-per-view numbers are going to suddenly slide because of this. I don't know. I think it will. I think it might will but because the thing is like Max Hall I don't, I, I and, 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 I don't know, maybe off of Max's name, it, it should do all right, but I just think off of people, when people sit down and think, when you sit down and think, well, how's this fight going to go? You're going to be like, you know what, I think Habib has this in the bag. Because, like, Max might be too small, short notice, no wrestling. Who, who do you train with to defend takedowns for this camp? Because there was no camp. So, like, you're right. You know, he's, he's just going to be on the treadmill for the next six days, let's be honest. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Um, unless he can find, unless he can get a hold of Travis Lee, um, there's a guy named Travis Lee from from Ohio, from uh, Hawaii, who was the first national champion from Hawaii. I think he wrestled at, um, at uh, St. Louis High School. He was the national champion at Cornell. I used to wrestle with him in the freestyle circuit. He's a good wrestler. Now, if Max had been training with Travis Lee on the slick for the past few years, then you know what? <laughs> he can win this fight. But the chances of that, the chances of that, I don't know where Travis Lee is. I don't know if he's in Hawaii, but if he's trained with Travis Lee for the past few years, he's a chance. If he hasn't, chances are very slim. Well, the elephant in the room right now, in terms of this division, in terms of this fight on Saturday, is Conor, the ghost of Conor McGregor, like we mentioned earlier. And I felt all along, King Mo, that if the fight played out like we thought, Tony versus Habib, that Connor would not be in attendance on Saturday because he would want nothing to do with facing the winner, right? UFC is stripping his belt. Why would he go there, even with his teammate Aram Lobov on the undercard? Why would he go there and then enter the cage and do some kind of cheesy face-off when we all know he's not going to take the chance against those killers when there's not going to be enough money at stake when he could be fighting Nate or Floyd Mayweather or, or GSP or whatever. But what's interesting for me, and this is my take, is that Holloway entering into this matchup now with a chance to pull the upset, you know, whatever small chance you give him, I think it opens the door for Connor to come back to this division and the title picture. Because here's the one thing that supersedes money in MMA to, to certain guys, and that's the idea of, of the legacy and their, and their name and reputation. And if Holloway upsets Habib, he'll not only be holding the two titles that were taken from Connor that he never lost, but Holloway will have seized from him his legacy to a certain degree. He would join him on that mantle as the only guys to hold two titles simultaneously. And outside of the money Connor's earned, it kind of pushes his his name back a little bit. And you could say that's BS. Connor doesn't care about that. But because Connor already knows he's beaten Holloway before in 2013, and, and Max wants that rematch more than anything, I feel like this is his only way he could get that. Yeah, maybe. If, if Habib wins, I don't think. I don't think Khan's gonna come back for a while. This is the first Diaz. Um, now with Habib coming to the fight, like, I don't, you know, I think Habib, Habib's going, I mean, Habib, Khan's going to fight mainly for attention. He's not much different than Connor. I mean, not much different than Floyd. Like, 
they do things for attention. They're attention seekers, you know, and I think that he'll go there to seek attention, but when it comes down to actually fighting Habib or Ferguson, I don't think he's going to do it. I think he's done. So I like that you made the comparison to Floyd there because I've always said that, like, when after Canelo fought Floyd and lost so badly, he didn't just lose the – he didn't just learn the lessons of having been so badly outboxed. He learned from Floyd how to be a diva and a star and how to control your career. And then from that point forward, suddenly did a little bit more careful matchmaking and, you know, did all these different things. I feel like Conor's learned from his experience with Floyd about how to control his career. And remember that season Floyd had from 2008 to 2012-ish where he was, like, taking a year and a half off. Then he'd fight one guy. Then he wouldn't fight again for a year and a half. And he'd be, like, on Dancing with the Stars or WrestleMania. I feel like Connor's basically recreating that stretch right now. And I think you're right. We may not see him this year. And he may be fine with that. And maybe we see him against Diaz next year and then never again for another year after that. Like, I feel like he's – everybody learns from Floyd after rub, after getting the rub from him. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if he's really learning from Floyd because, like – um I think it's laying low because I heard that he's like a little some beef with some people out there in Ireland. He's just laying low. That um, thing has been out there. That whole did he did he get into a fist fight with an Irish gangster? Like everyone's been afraid to actually report it. Everybody's just kind of teasing around it. Yeah, I think that's because you think if you notice it, Connor's been quiet as kept. I, I really don't know. I don't really keep up with them. I don't really follow them, but I just know that like usually like he puts stuff out there, but I really don't know. You know what I'm saying? But. Seems like he's been quiet. You know what I'm saying? Maybe maybe he's enjoying his money just laying low for a little bit. Well, he did tweet yesterday, these fools pull out more times than I do with my dick. So, you know, that's real that's real classy. Stay classy there, Conor McGregor. Uh, do you, so you think we see him by the cage Saturday then, just attention-seeking? Yeah, just attention-seeking. Because the thing is that, think about this, right, comes the cage, and say say the fight happens, Habib wins, and he goes there, he goes by the cage, starts yelling Habib, but guess what? There's... Just generated more generated interest in the fight because people think it might happen because Connor was there yelling at Habib. The UFC will see the see what tension it brings, and the fans will be talking. Then then they'll have to offer offer Connor more money to fight Habib because he don't want that fight. Yeah, no, he doesn't. So here's here's my scenarios. If Holloway wins and pulls the upset, I think Connor does get in the cage, or if he's not there, instantly gets on social media and they go in that direction. But we don't believe Holloway's going to win. Too much against him. So the key is what would happen next for Habib if he wins. Certainly UFC would try to get Connor, like you're saying. But Habib's opinion was that UFC would just rebook a Ferguson fight and do it this fall at the Madison Square Garden November show, which is becoming an annual event for UFC to, you know, their biggest card of the year. It's basically becoming their bookend one. I mean, certainly you'd be down for that. But was it, what was interesting in the interview with Nurmagomedov is he says, like, you know, I think I'll eventually fight Tony, and that's fine. I'm okay with it. But he's like, I'm not chasing Connor like people think I am. I'm chasing GSP because he thinks the when George made that comment a few times that he's willing to come down to lightweight and he thinks he can make it, he thinks that's the kind of fight George is looking for to round out his legacy, right? Become the only fighter to win titles now in three weight classes. You think George would be willing to do that? Hell no. It's just tough. George ain't cutting down to 155. Why does he throw that out there, though? Because let me say something. Because here's the thing, right? Think about this. George retired years ago, right? And once in a while, like you know what? I'm gonna come back. But I think he's saying that because of sponsors. You know what I'm saying? So now he's like, you know what? I'm not gonna go to one one eighty five, one seventy. I could go to one seventy. But you know what? Sounds even better. Me cutting down one fifty five because I'm not gonna cut down one fifty five. And my sponsors, they don't know much about fighting anyway. So if I mentioned that I'm gonna cut down one fifty five, they might buy into it. It might it might get me a few more checks until. They they had my until they to, till they fed up with paying me for nothing. 
Interesting, interesting. I always love the inside fighter take from King Mo. You always give me things to think about that from the outside looking in, I'm not. But certainly any fans are going to go, Habib versus GSP at 155, let's do it. But, you know, you do have to decode GSP's comments. He said he's only looking for fights that can add to his legacy, but he also then shoots down the idea of going down in weight to meet a smaller fighter. To him, he's that almost feels like an insult. Uh, I guess. I don't think, I don't think he wants to fight no more. I think he, I think I think his like his legacy is already solidified when he came back and beat beat Bisping because the thing is me and you and all other people knew Bisping was okay as a champion he, he was a champion but you know he, he he grinded he made it happen you know what I'm saying but we know that he wasn't the best option and we know that GSP only came back to fight Bisping because Bisping was a champion he wasn't gonna come back to fight Romero wasn't gonna fight Whitaker wasn't gonna fight Anderson wasn't gonna fight um um what's his name uh, Luke Rockhalt Wyman, you know, maybe Gastelum. I doubt he fight Gastelum. Like, who was he gonna fight? Really? Let's be let's be honest. It's fair. Maybe Johnny, maybe Johnny Hendricks. That's about it. Like, who else is he gonna fight? We're gonna see Connor GSP before it's all done. You know it. We're gonna see it. I don't know. I I I, I just don't. Who knows? Who knows, man? Who knows? Because right. the thing is that the thing is that it's, 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 GSP and Connor they have to be relevant still. Because if it's like this. If they ain't fought the year and next year they're like, oh, GSP versus Connor, what type of hype? Let's say they say 2019 is GSP versus Connor. How much hype do you think that really have? A ton. That that break all the pay per view records. And I don't think so. Look, you know it's why? crossover because fans though, and that and they know both names. Bro, crossover fans. How 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 big how how much did, how many tickets did the 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 Bisping um um GSP fight sell? I uh, what I think it sold out the, the garden, right? Yeah, the garden. I mean, I mean, pay per views did sell. Oh, it did over a million. It didn't. I mean, it didn't you know push breaking records, but it did over a million. It, it did what they wanted it to do. So check this out, right? So check this out, right? GSP ain't fought. GSP will have fought one time in what five years, four years. True, but they, they sold I, him coming back. Oh no, but no, but, but how you get someone coming back again after a layoff after coming off coming off of a diverticulitis? Because yeah, fans I, just want two guys they know. I mean, look, no, no, but fans do, but at the same time, fans don't because fans aren't buying it. Like it gets to the point where fans aren't buying it. Like people want people people want to see what they want to see now. They want to see Habib versus Connor now. They want to see things now. You know what I'm saying? Like if that fight happened, if they, say 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 Connor to come back and 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 uh, just were to come back and fight in the same card, then that make a lot of sense because they're having fight together. But them just having just matching them up out the blue next year. Would be kind. Of, I don't know. I, I think that it'd be like kind of. I, don't know. I think it'd sell, but I think more. I think it'd be, I think it would sell as good as everybody thinks it would. I think it would do two million. I think it would be their first fight to push that far. But you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta sell it right. Bro, ain't nobody, ain't no, ain't no show doing two million no more. Especially with with this way, with, with the way things are being streamed, TV's changing. That's one. And those different topic. But you look at, look at, look at the, look at, look at how Pacquiao Floyd fight was, got streamed like like crazy, but still did a lot of eyes. You look at Conor versus Floyd. Got streamed by crazy. It got streamed so much it actually affected Conor versus Floyd. Probably could have beat the the Pacquiao fight, the record. It could have beat that record, but it got streamed so much. You know what I'm saying? That people, people like that, it didn't break the record. I think people are going to start streaming that. People stream that fight most likely. Oh, that's certainly that's certainly a problem they have on their hands. No question about it. Uh, final topic I hear on Habib Holloway. How does it end? If you're picking Habib, how does this fight look like? What does this look like? Uh, second, second or third round stoppage. Um, yeah, stoppage. Ground and yeah. pound all day. 
ground and pound all day. <laughs> Habib has the best ground and pound in MMA, I think. Yeah, it's sickening. I mean, he's just a he's just a machine out there. All right, Kingmo, this co-main event. I, look, I'm I'm more excited about the co-main event than any of these main event offerings, and that's crazy to say because Tony versus Habib was like arguably the best fight on paper for the for the hardcore fans UFC could make. But I care this much about this women's strawweight championship rematch: Rose Namajunas against Joanna Young Jacek. Before you and I chop it up, let's hear from both fighters now. Enjoy. Uh, pumped up to talk to you. Uh, I mean, this is such a great fight we're coming into. Really excited. Just got a chance to rewatch your your performance for the in the first fight for the first time since being there cage side. So, um, you're a couple months in as champion. I mean, how has your life changed? How are you accepting and absorbing such a big victory? Um, you know, I think that there's more possible distractions or whatever, you know, but. Really, at the end of the day, the, the only things that are important and the things that you can control, uh, that doesn't change. Um, so, you know, not, nothing's really different if if you ask, like, what's important. Sure. Uh, I want to look back, because I was there as well, cage side, when you lost your first title opportunity, 2014, against Carla Esparza. And then you, I see the fighter you became just a couple years later when you win that title against Joanna. How different are those two fighters? Um, very different. <laughs> uh, I know it sounds obvious, but, you know, I, I didn't really, uh, know nearly as much as I know now. That sounds cliche, but just more experience. Uh, what's that? Yeah, I, I play the game a lot better. I know, uh, I'm way more experienced. You know, that was always the thing going into all my fights. I was always fighting people that were way more, um, experienced than I was. And that was just the one kind of disadvantage that I always had, but, Nope, this, now that, that bar is filled. Um, you know, I could always be a little bit, you know, this is my first time defending my title, so that's a new experience that I never had before, but as far as fight experience, um, I've, I've been there and done that, and, um, you know, I know how to fight. For sure. I mean, experience has to be key. Physically, you're always dangerous in there, but, you seem a lot, I guess I want to say mentally stronger. I don't know if tougher is the right word because you got to be tough to get into this business. But it seems like there was a confidence level that came out maybe the last few fights that was visibly different for me. What was that sort of mental evolution like for you to gain confidence with each step up the ladder? Um, well, what is it like to be confident? I mean, how was that, how was, how was that evolvement work for you? What was it? Was it a fight-by-fight process where where each fight took you to another Uh, level, or were there, like, you know, dips and valleys in that? Yeah, um, it's it's always the, you know, each fight I was always climbing up uh, as a new challenge, a new new thing that I had to learn about myself each time. Um, Yeah, I I think so. I think it's always been – I mean, even though the results of the – of the fight, like I did, I didn't have the cleanest, you know, um, undefeated record or anything like that. But I always gained something, something new. I always um, took away something from each fight and uh, just added it to my life experience. Oh, absolutely! I, I think we certainly saw that in that loss to Carolina at a time when, let's say, you were being groomed for that opportunity to face Joanna. You take a, a loss in a close fight, in which I thought you looked good in, in some good stretches. What did you specifically learn from that loss that really set you up to go on this run to get the title? Um, that no matter what, uh, whatever is happening, um, whatever is going on, I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna fight. You know, that's what I learned from it. Uh, 
I learned that uh, timing is everything and that it just wasn't the right time for me. You certainly beat Joanna inside the cage with your boxing. That was a big part of it. But, you know, we have to acknowledge, I feel like mentally you defeated her in the buildup, and that was just as important. In terms of, let's say, not taking the bait with some of her trash-talking setups, did you feel at any point when she was trying to intimidate you and you were standing strong that she was breaking or that you were gaining an advantage by not taking that bait? Um, I don't know. I felt like uh, I felt like she was uh, tried to come more aggressive each time that I wouldn't respond to her, that I wouldn't um, engage in anything with her. Um, I felt like that that cost her, and that I felt like um, I knew that she was gonna keep trying. And then eventually, I thought maybe you know maybe right before the fight there would become a time where she would just stop it. Like she'd be like, okay. You know, it's obviously not working, and she would give up on that, but that was just a possibility. I had all these possibilities in my head, but really, um, I wasn't thinking about nothing else. Like, really, the the, the main uh, thing that I focused on was just uh, controlling myself. I don't think we'd ever seen her be affected by somebody not being affected by her, if that makes any sense. You know, it was <laughs> sort of like – it was almost like bullying the bully in that regard. Did you feel any of that in the cage right. when the fight started, or is it only about X's and O's, let's get down to business? Um, I, you know, I just had her, I just have her figured out, you know, and I knew, I know the, the type of fighter she is. I know, you know, I know what her jab looks like. I know what her, you know, her little flurries look like. So, yeah, her personality, um, she's, you know, Eastern European, like that's, that's my, that's my family, you know, like that I, you know, I know what the mentality is like. I know that, you know, no matter what, you just, you act like nothing's hurt. You act like you're just stubborn and you just keep going forward. Go, 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 go. And always, you know, everything's good all the time and you never have a bad day. And that's just not true, man. It's, you know, you got to have bad days. You got to have, you got to have a soul. Like, so I, I just know her. I know about, I might not, I might not be her friend. I might not know her exactly, but I have a good idea, you know. Um, and so, I don't know. But I just have the educated guess, <laughs> and I guess I was right. Well, I did mention uh, boxing was a big part of it. I don't think I've seen you that aggressive, Wait, that yeah. fluid. And I know you credit a lot to the work you've done with 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 your coach. Uh, how how has that evolvement gone for you? Because you were more submission based early in your career, but to see you now, it's like a complete fighter out there. Yeah, um, yeah. More time. I've always had. I started in striking. My my taekwondo was my base. My first thing that I started in. Um, but it's a. Uh, it took time to develop the. Like I don't know if like. Any other taekwondo fighter that has made the transition into Muay Thai kickboxing, it always is the hardest transition at first. But then once you get it, it's like you have an unfair advantage and everything because now you can do it all. Because you have to, like, unlearn habits and, and then pull it back to in order to gain, like, 50 steps forward kind of thing. So I think that's kind of what happened. Or at least that's a good... Um, as to why maybe, you know, my striking hasn't come out until, you know, it hasn't really shown itself um, until just now. And on top of the fact that, you know, Carla was just kicking in wild tornado kicks and go, 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 go. You know, I was just this young tornado, like Tasmanian devil fighter 
that um, is super explosive. And now I'm way more calculated. I, I, I was banned from kicking by Pat Berry, the <laughs> kicking master. You know, uh, he told me not to kick, you know, and, and we, we, you know, all of us listened to that. And we I wasn't able to kick until I fought Michelle Watterson. And I ended up kicking her in face finally, and then it all worked. And now I'm, you know, as long as I don't overdo it, um, as long as I stick to the basics, the, the natural flashiness is going to come out. As long as I don't force nothing, um, uh, my natural talent is just going to come out on its own. Sure, sure thing. Like almost like a dog on a leash, you know, that's just pulling. Absolutely. I want to ask you about that moment of winning because, you know, there were tears in the cage or a lot of hugs. It was it was a part of really one of the most exciting cards UFC has ever produced, that arena just rocking. But when you imagined all those years of getting to that moment, how different is the feeling when when, when that happens? Um, I haven't – I didn't really have nothing to compare it to. So, you know, I didn't really imagine – it, it almost is like, you know, in my imagination, um, like you ever like wish for something and then the whole thing, be careful what you wish for kind of thing, because it, it ends up being what you wish, but not in the same way that you thought, right? Like it's sure. exactly what I wish for, but just a little bit different. So, you know, when I was imagining me getting the title, uh, I didn't really imagine nothing. I imagined this kind of just like just me standing there visualize it but I didn't really I wasn't in my body I wasn't I never imagined what that feeling would feel like in my body and that's kind of the same thing that happened because you know I had nothing to compare it to but in the moment I was just kind of numb to it all and in um and just like everything was happening so fast and you know I don't know if it's the fact that there was two other title fights after me or if everybody was just so shocked but um you know it's a uh, I, I wish I could have you know, soaked up the moment a little bit more, uh, the way that they showed DSP after his fight, walking around in the ring and just really, <laughs> you know, letting it all soak in. I didn't, I didn't get that chance. So <laughs> I'm new fish, you know, for sure. Well, Daniel Cormier helped provide the soundtrack to that moment for anybody watching at home with the great <laughs> thug Rose call that you have to imagine is going to, you know, be a part of any montage video package of great UFC moments from here until the end of time. So what was your reaction the first time you did get to a chance to see that rape? We play black and hear that call. Um, I'm sorry, say that again? What was your reaction the first time you heard Daniel Cormier's call matched, you know, synced up with the highlights oh. of you knocking her out? Oh, uh, I don't know. That was, that was pretty cool. It's classic, classic Daniel Cormier. Uh, you know, it was a, I don't know. It was just the perfect moment all around. Well, now as we spin forward to this rematch, since that first fight, you have Ioana Talking about maybe how hard the buildup to that fight was to her with the extreme weight cut at the last minute, the distractions that she fought through, really at that point being on the verge of, let's say, superstardom and tying the Ronda Rousey title defense record that she was shooting for. Some people calling those excuses. What were your reaction to hearing those comments? Um, I haven't heard much other than that she's had a weight that she had a weight cut issue. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully she's uh, fixed that. I've I've never really believed in cutting a whole bunch of weight I don't I don't think that it that it's a good idea so hopefully she's not um she's taking care of her body you know yeah absolutely and finally at the press conference after the first fight you gave a, a really cool speech about 
wanting a new era in the sport, for athletes to be role models, for the, the trash talking and the negativity to, to subside. So I'm interested, what was the reaction to people in the days and the weeks that followed after you said that? Um, I, I, I don't, uh, the reaction is, you know, very like people cared more about what I said after the fight than, uh, than what actually went down in the fight. So obviously that was, that I, I did something right. You know, it's obviously needed to be said because there's this constant negativity, um, surrounding us everywhere we look and, you know, just the way that I think, um, people have been treating each other lately, not just in MMA, but just in the world in general. I think there's just been a lot of unnecessary negativity. I know that sometimes, you know, you genuinely, you know, you got to be honest with people and stuff, but I just feel like people are um, being, being shitty towards each other, but for no warranted reason and not, not really being honest with themselves. Sure. Sure thing. I can totally understand. Hey, thanks so much for your time, Rose. Best of luck. Really looking forward to this rematch. Thank you. A chance for you to get redemption, Juana. So I want to start right there. I saw a great quote from you the other day. You said, my life now is even better than before. I just don't have the title. Can you explain that for me? I'm still a champion, man. If you if you win the medal at the Olympics and you don't win the medal four years uh, after, you're still a, an Olympian champion, yeah? Fair enough. I like that. And I, and I got to give you a tip of the cap in the way you handled defeat after UFC 217. Your first of your career, you come right out to the post-fight press conference and you just humbly, you know, you face the music, something not every fighter does. How hard was that to do in that moment? It was not hard. I'm a real fighter. I'm, uh, I'm taking care of my business from the beginning till the end. And I want to, I wanted, I, I, I used to say, so many, so many times that I wanted to retire that undefeated, but it happened, and I'm happy. I'm, I'm just more rich because of the experience, and now I will show to people that doesn't matter what's happening in your life. Take their life in your hands and go through, and I will win. And that's the thing. I was happy that I could. Show to people uh, how I felt, and, and like I said, take care of your business from the beginning to the end. This is who I am. I like that. That's very inspiring stuff and a smart way to look at it. So, if you look at that loss as an experience, what did you learn from that experience? That uh, it's all about the trust, and I must trust people who are in my team. But I know that my that I must expect more from them, and I must expect more from myself, and that there is not a space for mistakes, even single small mistakes. So this camp went smooth and well, and there is not going to be mistake made before this fight. Looking, so but, that's the thing. Did you lose focus at all during that run? Because. It, you were you were becoming a superstar, talking about breaking records. Was there any sort of uh, a time when you lost focus? No, no. I was so respectful to to Rose uh, for the whole camp in the fight, and uh, the weight cut impacted my performance. 
I know that people don't believe that, but I will prove them wrong on April 7th. Fair enough. Uh, that, that I'm still that I'm still the real deal. Mm-hmm. There's talk about you sort of reclaiming your legacy with a, with a victory here. And, you know, some of the greatest champions in UFC history have had that hiccup. But like GSP, for example, against Matt Serra, he went back in and fixed that part on his resume. Is that the the same mindset? There's not so many of them. There's not so many of them. And I can be one of them to reaching the top after sleep back into the top. That's a great thing. This victory is going to be bigger than my last fight in the UFC. You know, when they when people look back at that first fight, Rose didn't talk a lot. She kept a straight face. A lot of talk that she never fell victim to any trash talk. Do you think that was a big part of her getting a victory? No. She's like this. She's just like this, you know. Every person is different. Every person is dealing with the emotions, with the emotions different. She does this this way. Her choice. You talked about a tough weight cut. And I know in the past you've said eventually you want to go to 125, especially if there's a title there, which there now is in UFC. How much longer do you want to keep making 115? Uh, I will tell you after this fight, but the, I feel great. My weight is super low this camp and uh, we will see. We will see. I have uh, very good people around me, new nutritionist team, a new person who is responsible for that. But of course, uh, the whole camp, I use my knowledge as well. And, and that's the thing. That's the thing. This is, uh, this is uh, why I'm talking about the trust, you know. I trusted some people too much, but now I want to keep eye on everything and use my knowledge as well. If I don't know something, I want to learn about and keep eye on it, you know, mm-hmm. even you're doing something for me. Did you have to ch- change anything drastic in training camp this time around? No, we, we were more focused, more, we were more focused. We paid more uh, attention to the details and my coaches are more dedicated. They're amazing people. They were dedicated and I, I, I couldn't believe. I can't believe that we made that through with bigger dedication than before, you know? This is beautiful. Mikey Brown, Cutter Kubis, my head coaches. Oh, it's an honor to train with them, you know? And Phil Daru, my strength conditioning coach. Daya Davis, my boxing coach. My physiotherapist came from Poland for the last four or five weeks. It's an amazing team. The whole ATT, the owner, the number, the managers. We all are work, working for this victory on April 7th, and we will get this. What was and it? I'm very happy. It's going to be an honor, honor to win the belt as an American top team fighter, you know. I came with the sure. belt to the, to the team. I defended with them. I lost the belt with them, but it was the other mistake. But we are going to win this, you know. We are ATT nation, and I'm very happy about it. I can I'm hear, very loyal to my people. I can hear that confidence in your voice. Uh, what was the reaction in Poland where you've become such a huge star to the to your first defeat? I don't know. People love me more. Mm-hmm. I had a meeting with my friends after I lost, and the Reebok 
didn't didn't they didn't think that they were going to show that many people and from being there for an hour i was there for two hours because i wanted to talk to every single person who came to support me to show me the love and this is beautiful about it you know i signed a new sponsorship contract big contract i'm going to be on tv uh, in poland again uh, and, and that's the thing i'm very happy that people see more of me than only being an athlete they see me as a strong woman a human this is what i like about they see me as a good business partner this is what i like about i like it i like it and you have a chance to get that victory back and show people you know how you how you accept defeat but how you do you work harder to change that we'll see maybe juana champion again my favorite nickname right there that that's a good nickname it's got a good ring to it i will bring it back <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you very much for your time. Can't wait to see you. you UFC 223 in Brooklyn. Best of luck. Take care. Bye. Kingmo really enjoyed sort of hearing their insight and their takes ahead of this fight. I love that that Joanna is this intense, that she says, look, this was a hiccup. I had weight issues. I lost the fight, but I stood in front of the, the microphone. I told you why I lost the fight. I stood up for myself, and I'm coming back to redeem my legacy. I feel like the Ioana intensity is back, even if she's not talking trash this time like she did in the build-up to the first one. Yeah, you know, I I, I see her every day at the gym. I think it's, it's, it's never went. It's always there. I just think I feel like Joanna's my homegirl, but I think that she just flat that fight. She just flat that night. I don't think it's the weight cut because in order for it to be the weight cut, I think like it had to go longer than the round, and she had to start guessing. I think that she's just flat. You can't be on point. You can't be on and on point for every fight. And I think Joanna was just flat a little bit. You know what I'm saying for that for that fight. And I think I think Rose was on. She had a great night. She felt she looked good that night. Well, Joanna saying what was it? 14 pounds in the last 15 hours. She had a cut, and she said she trusted the wrong, essentially the wrong, you know, diet dietitians and the whatever, whatever the the wrong nutritionist to 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 do the plan that she thought. I mean, that has to mean something, right? Well, I guess, but the thing is, bro, the fight only lasts about three minutes long. A lot, a lot of times, when you see weight cuts take an issue, they take an issue when fatigue starts to set in. I just think Joanna, Joanna was flat. You know, it could have been for the weight cut. You know what I'm saying? That could have been it, but I think she's just flat. It's interesting. I asked her if she'd lost focus, you know, with the with the chance to tie Rousey's record with all the endorsements and the stardom she was getting, and and she sort of snuffed that out quickly. So, you know, I like her intensity coming back. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if she ends up having this career, GSP having the hiccup against Matt Serra, but coming back, repairing that flat tire and continuing on. But certainly it's no, you know – no easy matchup in Rose, who's really putting it all together, it seems. And to hear her talk about because she had that Taekwondo base and because she came up a different way, when she finally got her boxing up to speed, it's like the total package came together and and everything was waiting for her. I feel like she's finally the complete mixed martial artist physically just as well mentally as she can be and is peaking entering into this rematch. Yeah, she's. She, I think more than anything, it's her mental game. Um, her mental game was on point. You know, um, she stayed focused. She knew what the task at hand was. She didn't let Joanna's uh, trash talk get to her. She wasn't intimidated. She came to fight. You know, she 
I don't know. I, one thing, one thing that she did that I like is she made some adjustments and she made, um, Joanna have to think. And remember what I said last time, I remember at the gym, everybody was telling me, uh, Joanna's an animal. And I was like, yes, yeah, she is. But uh, I mean, they're saying Joanna's a machine. I was like, yeah, she is a machine. But here's the, here's the problem with machines. The moment you make them think, they malfunction because they can't think. And Rose went out there and gave her different looks, changed the, changed the pace of, um, changed the pace of the fight, the range of the fight. Was creeping on her, showed her different, showed her different rhythms, and um, that, that I think that kind of threw uh, Joanna off because Joanna can land a leg kick or a one-two or any type of jab. The range was all off. If you go back and watch the fight, she couldn't, she couldn't get her 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 range and her rhythm going. Well, I got to add that to uh, the great King Moisms. The moment you make a machine think, it malfunctions. I mean, that's an interesting way to break it down because I was going to say, did we learn enough? from the three minutes of that first fight to sort of accurately predict how the second one will play out. And you felt like you did learn a lot in that. Yeah. I, I, I learned a lot in that fight. You know, I learned a lot in that fight. I just know that I know that Joanna is a momentum fighter. She's a momentum fighter and a rhythm fighter. So the moment she gets lands her one, two and her kicks, she keeps on coming and coming. Guess what? If you notice all her fights, if you notice all of Joanna's fights, what's one thing that hasn't come, what, what's one, one thing that all her fights have in common. Uh, that she outgasses her opponent? Not just that, but all the girls she beats up on, their back's on the cage. They're getting pummeled, covering up on the cage for the most part. She backs those girls up. Boom, boom, boom. And volume, she'll go to the body, leg kick. And the, the girls just cover up. A lot of times, the girls will back up in a straight line because once Joanna gets going, the girls just back up in a straight line and just get just take it. Other than just, other than the Carolina, Carolina, I can't say her name right, and, uh, and, uh, um, and the, the other girl, uh, baby, uh, went, uh, what's that girl's name? Valerie uh, Letourneau? Jessica Androge. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, cause Androge came, she came and fought, she, she came, they both, those two women that she, that Joanna fought earlier, I mean, just recently, before, um, Rose, they came, and they came, they came to fight, it's just that Joanna made some adjustments right then. So, the interesting thing about Joanna is what I mentioned there. We've seen her, I don't want to say in trouble. We've seen her compromise before earlier in fights. Let's not forget the Claudia Gadeja rematch from 2016. First two and a half rounds, like, Joanna was on her back. She was she was really having to fight defensively. But she always seems to outlast her opponents, including Carolina in that really tough fight because of her stamina, but because of that, like, iron will. Like, she's just seems to want it more and is willing to go to deeper, darker places than her opponent. The one thing we don't know about Rose on this level, I think, is... Can she go five rounds and be equal to Joanna if the fight gets to that point? I think so. If you look where she trains, Denver, Colorado. You know, and from what I've seen, she works hard. She's always worked hard. From what I've seen, I remember her back in uh, um back in uh, Invicta. I I I don't know. I just, it's like this, right? You really don't see many of these women that are fighting gas unless they're like power wrest, like power fighters for the most part, or they're not comfortable. A lot, of, a lot of the women you see now that that are going five rounds no problem, they're comfortable. They they've been doing this for a while. They they're relaxed out there fighting. I feel like the ones that Joanna, what Joanna does to gas you is Joanna makes you so uncomfortable. You just you just seize up and just take what she's giving to you. Be interesting to see if Rose has the same type of success on her feet early. Maybe not knocking Joanna down twice in the first three minutes, but it is commanding that fight. What type of adjustments Joanna will make, which is sort of what you tease off the top, when she's not the aggressor, when she's not the front runner, setting the tone and coming forward with strikes. And it's gonna be interesting to see what type of, because um, if you look at Rose, Rose sets traps. 
Joanna don't really set traps. Rose sets traps. Rose is more of the boxing type. She yes, she can kick, but I see more of a boxing type of rhythm with her. You know, um, Joanna is more of a kickboxing volume, Manny Pacquiao type fighter where it's just like one two, one two, leg kick, one two, one two, body punch, one two, one two three two, kick. You know, knee. It's like she just keeps coming, volume touch you over and over and over. But Rose is like she creep up on you, bam, 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 leg kick, bam. You step back, check hook. You know what I'm saying? Like she she mixes it up. Where where um where um Joanna just keeps coming and coming and coming. Rose will mix it up and play cat and mouse. I I want to see this one. I want to see this one go a few rounds. I think this is you know it's not just going to be high entertainment, but it's really an interesting matchup when you consider their skill sets. You know the X's and O's. The could be a lot of ebbs and flows in this fight. I mean this could truly be. An epic fight. I think this is one of the the better. I, I always call the women's strawweight my favorite division because there's so many names that can fight. You get really good fights. I think this could end up being one of the better title matches we've seen. And somebody who's on Joanna's level that that's really going to make her work. I'm fired up, King Mo. How do you think this fight ends? I think we're going to see a trilogy. Yes. And and here's the other thing. Right now, you say what well, you say you say um what's the weight class? Five weight to fight that? Was it straw? It's, this, straw is, this is straw weight. This is 115 okay. pounds. Okay, flyweight would be a new favorite weight class for women. It's it's already mine, and nothing's even happened yet. <laughs> you don't like the Nico Montano era of uh, of UFC championships yet? Yo, I hear you. Shevchenko's in there. Yoana's eventually going to be there. But the thing is, one twenty five might be the might be the weight class where you see girls from one thirty five. I mean, ladies from one thirty five come down, and you see ladies from one fifteen come up. You know what I'm saying? And play around. There'll there'll, there'll be some catchweight fights that you'll see more more. Like, I wish Cyborg had the opportunity to fight somebody at 135 or 140. You know what I'm saying? But she don't have that, so she's she's stuck on a on an island by herself. But I feel like the rest of the women can play around at 125 here and there. Yeah, it seemed like Ioana was at the end of her rope cutting to 115. But, you know, you heard in that interview she said, no, I can still do it. I will do it. I'm not going to talk about 125 until after this fight. You know, I, certainly she wants to win back her title. I think we are heading to a trilogy, too. But I think to get to that trilogy, Rose, is, if she loses, is going to have to be really competitive in defeat. I think this ultimately goes the distance. Ioana fights tend to do that. She she can bring it to you. But I think Rose is going to turn this into a back-and-forth fight in which Ioana is going to end up winning the decision. Maybe it will open the door for that third fight. That would be interesting. But, you know, for Rose, I'm sorry, for Joanna, this would show something, coming back to the scene of the crime and winning back a title. Yeah, it would. You know, shows she's a true champion. I, I feel, I, but I, I feel like um, this fight, I don't know, this fight, it could, it could, it could go five, it could, it could be short. But I don't know, I just think that uh, when it comes down to it, this, this fight right here could be a game changer with the women. In what way? And I just think that you have like um, think about Ronda. Ronda had hype. You know what I'm saying? She was she's doing things. You know what I'm saying? She was wrecking shop. But but you know you get Holly Holm come in. You know what I'm saying? Who's pretty much new to sport and win. Now you have now you have two vets. You have two women that have been competing in MMA for a long for a while, at the highest level. So I think you're gonna see some new age stuff right here because think about think about if you watch Ronda versus Holly Holm it was it was typical striker. Versus grappler, this is MMA fighter versus MMA fighter in a sense. Joanna, Joanna can get, she can shoot takedowns now. She can grapple. I've seen her do it every day at the gym. Rose can do the same thing. Who knows what we're gonna see in this fight? That's Will we see a striking fight? Maybe. Will we see an MMA fight where you see takedowns and submission attempts? Maybe, because both women can do that. 
All right, Kingbo. Quick hitters from this UFC 223 card on the way out. A lot of names in this. That's why I like it. There's a lot of interesting stories. You're going to see a lightweight bout, Michael Chiesa against Anthony Pettis. Uh, I know I've we've been here before because Pettis has lost five of his last seven, and it's been a really disappointing slide. But another loss here is is the dream really over? I mean, is he is he washed, and we just have to come to terms with it? Uh, I don't think he's washed. I think he needs to change things up. Sometimes, like one thing, one thing that I did after fights, like you know, when I was in California, I would after a fight, I would go to a different camp and train there for a little bit, and I'd go to different camps and just get get different looks. I know Pettis went to Greg Jackson's. But I think maybe he should try with an American top team or an AKA to, so he can train with more competitive training partners and get different looks. Because if he goes out there and gets taken down, we know that he didn't work in any wrestling and he needs a new wrestling coach. Is the problem, but was the problem too much talent and too much success too soon? Was he just not a, a well-rounded enough fighter? Or, or, I mean, how do you, how do you sit, look at a guy who had that high of an arc and then this hard of a fall? No, sometimes no. It happens all the time. Like sometimes, like people are hot at the moment and they're on fire and they make things click. And then what happens is the rest of the people are like, what do you do? And they watch film, they train harder, they train smarter, and they come up and they pass that person. It happens all the time. Jens Pulver. True. And it could be father time. It could be injuries. It could be a lot of different things. But you see a lot of guys on top. Like Anderson Silva ahead of the game. People caught up. Fedor ahead of the game. People caught up. Um, Igor Vochachin ahead of the game. People, I can I can name a bunch of names. BJ Penn was ahead of the game. People caught up. You know Brock Lesnar. I, I know at one point no one thought Brock Lesnar was ever going to lose. He was ahead of the game. Kane caught up and passed him. Same thing with Kane. No one thought Kane was going to lose. Or very, Junior Dos Santos. It's funny how in MMA, especially UFC, when guys are on the street, they're pretty much gods and they're unbeatable. Like Ngannou. No one thought Ngannou was going to. Lose to to Stipe really for the most part besides I think besides a few people. All good points there. We got another lightweight card that's interesting. Lightweight bout: Li Quinta versus Paul Felder. Do you see either as a true potential title contender at 155? Uh, you know what? Yeah, you never know, man. Anything can happen. Because anything can happen. You know, I, I could dismiss them, but they're. I remember I remember seeing Kurt Angle years ago. He took seventh at US the U.S. Open. The next year, he wins the U.S. Open, wins Worlds, then goes on to win the Olympics. So I'm like, you, anything can happen. All it takes is one person to get the right, just have, have the right frame of mind and make things click. That's all, that's all you need for things to click at the right time. Raging oh. Al takes a lot of time outside of the cage, angry with the UFC. But when he comes back, he has looked impressive, hasn't lost since 2014. Interesting to see. This is a tough matchup with Felder, with no doubt. Uh, the one undercard, the preliminary bout main event I'm really excited about, it's back in that women's strawweight division. Carolina, Carolina Kovalkovich, who we've seen push Joanna to the limit, against Felice Herrig. And it's a good story in the sense that Felice seems to have put everything together, is taking her career seriously at age 33, has won something like four or five in a row since we yep. saw her in that in that women's tough season in 2014. But this is a legit step up against a true rock in Carolina. Can she get over that hump and get a title shot, which Felice thinks she can with a victory here? Well, speaking of another person that made it click, Felice, Harry, you know, for a while I thought she was like, man, she lost to, um, what's that girl's name, uh, the dancer, um, Paige Van Zandt. Yeah, Paige Van Zandt, like, spark, like, beat her, you know, beat her pretty handily. And now, 
She went back to drawing board, had an injury, went back to drawing board, came back, working in wrestling. Her striking is always good. Her mental game is strong. She seems more serious because I remember back in the day when I see her, she's always joking and trying to be seen and trying to look cute. But now she's like all about business. So I, I'm, you know, if she can beat if she can beat Carolina, then I think she deserves a top. Oh no, actually, if she beats Carolina, then she's gonna be in trouble because she have to face Jessica Andrade. <laughs> yeah, so Andrade is out there. Carlos Barza is also on a good roll right now. This is a tough division, man. This is this is no joke. That's yeah, so cool. This, this, that's 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 you know. Um, some killers, man. Swim with the sharks. Absolutely. Hey, Kingball, UFC 223 looks like it's going to be fun. A lot of other names on this undercard. Some interesting stories for sure. I mentioned WrestleMania weekend. Ronda Rousey will finally have her close-up. Kingball, did you happen to see any of those media meltdowns she had in the past week and a half trying to hype this WrestleMania return where it was like, I think a mandate was put out by the PR staff. Do not ask Ronda about her UFC defeats. Some guys at ESPN, whether it be First Take or Mike Golick on his radio show, did. And Ronda, like, kind of flipped out. Like, she's still at that point. She cannot talk about those two defeats without crying or just shutting you down. I don't know. I think it's a work now. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty like it's almost like, hey, Rhonda, you're there to promote WrestleMania. Play, be part of the team. Play along. If they ask you about the UFC things, smile and play along. But she's still like killer mentality. Like this wound has not been healed. No, but I think she's staying in character still, even though her character is the exact opposite of what she should be. But I see I, yesterday I saw a, a clip of a, I watched her thing with a definite man um, for a little bit. Um, I just saw the end, but I saw Stephanie McMahon say something to her like, "Hey, Rhonda, after I beat you, and and you know we know how you take losses." That was good. But but the thing is, Rhonda took it. You know, I, I think that I think the more Rhonda's involved in pro wrestling, she's gonna hear more stuff like that. And it, it you know, it's I think I think she's already starting to hear it now. I think she's getting past it, but I think that just to mess with people, I think she sticks to it and just like you know and stay, and just I, because right now. If she did an interview, people would be like, oh, Ronda did an interview. But the fact that she was like, you know, still showing that some pain from the losses, quote unquote, um, people talked about it. People were talking about it. People were talking about the, her interview with Max Kellerman more than they were talking about her interview with Ella DeGeneres. That's a good, that's and think, a good point. And think about this. People talk about the fight with her interview with Ella DeGeneres because she thought, because I guess she thought, said she'd commit suicide or something like that. She felt like killing herself. So the thing is like, whenever, whenever she's an interview, it's controversial. People talk about it. Put your name out there. If she has a normal interview and just speaks normally, then no one talks about it. You know how you know how it is. You know, like controversy sells a little bit, this a lot will, of it actually. This will be her in-ring debut. It'd be very interesting to see how it goes. People have had mixed reactions. I thought she's done some things very well. I thought it was a good touch for Stephanie McMahon to suplex her through a table. I did not see that coming on Monday on the Monday Night Go Home Show of Raw. So you know, interesting things. Do you do you think we ever see her again in the UFC? Nah. I don't think for what what she need to go for. I think I think I think the more she kept, kept, um, clicks on the wrestling and gets more comfortable in the wrestling ring, the more we're gonna see her, you know, headline WrestleMania one time. Yeah, I mean, there might not uh, be a need to come back. I mean, I, I always have the scenario in my head: what if Cyborg's still on top and really old, and you know, they're both, you know, what I mean, like, but probably not. There's probably no chance. I mean, if you, it's it all comes down to to striking defense, and it's just not there for King Mo, right? Well, yeah, that's that. But, but the way the UFC is looking, by the time she's done wrestling, and she comes back, there might not be a UFC no more. This, you know this guy Kimo talking about the world ending here. UFC no more. Come on. Well, I'm just saying it might be a different organization because look, the way the UFC is moving right now, things it's kind of questionable. Like, like everyone's like, what are they doing? Why this? Why that? Like, no one can answer anything. Like the belts mean nothing. Think about this. The belts mean nothing. How's the Fox deal going? Do you know about that? 
Oh, that's Black- still wide open. They don't have a deal. They thought they were going to announce it six months ago. Yeah, because the WWE might be getting that. That's an interesting situation right there. Hey, by the way, uh, UFC sold in what? July of 2016? We still have not had an interview with either of the two guys from WME who bought the company. Has not done a public interview about MMA yet. Like, it's like two years. Yeah, do you blame them? Because, man, right now, they, they, they might have bought something that wasn't worth 4.4. Think about, like, so Star, how much, did, how much did they buy? How much did Disney buy Star Wars for? That's a good question. I, I, probably, probably more than 4.4 billion. Right? No, but I think about 4, 4, 4 billion, 4.5 billion, maybe something like that. Star Wars is like, it's been proven. Yeah. <laughs> People are buying those pay-per-views left and right. You're right, Kingmo. No, but but the UFC has been proved is, is proven. But at the same time, 4.4 billion like, is it's, it's kind of it, it, at the time it was worth it. But then when they bought it, that's when everything fell apart. And now, right? and now, and now we have to pay for their sins, right? Now, now that's why Floyd Mayweather's going to be in an octagon because of this crap. <laughs> yeah, Floyd's finally get beat. All right. Well, the good news is UFC 223 is looking strong. We look forward to seeing how it plays out. You can follow me on the Twitter webs at B Campbell CBS. Follow at King Mo FH, Instagram, Twitter, and more. King Mo, best of continued luck in camp getting ready for Darth Vader. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy the fights. And, you know, you got two words for the fans? Uh, we out. We out.